This morning we have a couple scriptures. The first passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's verse 15. And this is God's word, so if you could please stand. It says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And now we're going to turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. Do you know what an acronym is? Acronym. Well, you won't find it in the dictionary. It's a, it's a term coined by a journalist. The word comes from apt, meaning aptitude, and the Greek word for name. So an acronym is when someone's name and occupation line up. Like... If I'm in the construction business, my name might be Joe Carpenter or something to that effect. So, we're going to do a little audience participation. All right? These are actual names of people whose names kind of fit their profession. So, I want to see if you can guess what the profession is. Dr. Bowser. He's a vet. That's right. Roy Grout. Tile Bricklayer. Yeah, good. Dr. Whack. Chiropractor. Good. Dan Druff. Well, he's a barber. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mike. Not, not very. Dr. Pollen. Dennis, good. Some of you guys are getting a smiley face by your name after. Auto no-go. Mechanic, yes. Dr. Smiley. Dennis or Orthodontist, good. Sonia Shears. Hairdresser. Wow, you guys are doing great. Dr. Whitehead. Dermatologist. I <laughs> know, oh, bad, isn't it? Finally, Dr. Smelzy. No, this one I know is, he's a podiatrist. <laughs> but hey, you guys get an A, you did really well. Have you ever stopped to think and to realize how important names are to God? 
From the very beginning, we read, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. God called the expanse sky. God called the dry ground land. He also gave names to different people with the meaning of the name often being uh, significant of their character. Isaac means laughter. The definition of Jacob is deceiver. Moses means drawn out. And Jesus means Jehovah saves. Many parents spend significant time trying to decide what to name their children. How how long did it take us to name Amy? Two or three days. Because I was sure she was going to be a boy. We didn't have any girls' names picked out. Um, Why is that? Well, uh, we, we take time because we know that a name is more than just what someone goes by. And think about, um, you know, some families like to name their children all with the same letter. I have a cousin who's got four boys. Their names all begin with E. There's Everett, Eric, Evan, and Ethan. Um, If you know the Vogels, Aaron, who he's got nine kids, and all of their names begin with E, too. Also, E, also. They don't all begin with E, too. He also. That'd be tough. Um, you know, a name may, we, kids may be named after relatives, uh, family names, someone we admire, or just names we like. Um, sometimes we name someone, our children, because of the meaning of that name. Um, we have a grandson named Brigan, and his name means bridge, Um, and we've always felt that was significant. Um, This morning, we're going to zero in on four names, and Dean shared those names with you. Names given to Jesus 700 years before he was even born. There are over 100 names in the Bible associated with Jesus, and numerous others that are given to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And it's been said that every name he bears is a blessing he shares. Missionary E.A. Ruskin was once asked this, this question about all these names by the, the people of what's now Zaire. This is how he answered their inquiry. The beauty and the fullness of the, and magnificent of his matchless person cannot be expressed by just one name. It took a bunch, in fact, didn't it? God, through the prophet, gave his people clues about the gift, about the Messiah. They were anticipating by revealing some of his names. And each name unlocks an aspect of Jesus' attributes and a portion of his personality. So what's in a name? Well, first of all, in the passage that, that Dean read to us, it said, For to us a child is born. This describes his birth as a baby. To us a son is given. Jesus is God's son, given as a gift. This baby born is God's gift to us. The child was birthed in Bethlehem, and the, and the gift of the eternal son was then given to us. 
As Rabbi Zacharias has said, the son wasn't born. The son eternally existed. The child was born. The son was given. So, the first name, the first name that Isaiah gives him is Wonderful Counselor, or we might say, Amazing Advisor. Wonderful. What's that mean? Well, the biblical meaning of this word means that Jesus is beyond anything we have ever seen or experienced. Singularly unique. He's wonderful. It means that Jesus is extraordinary. So vast that we can't understand the full meaning of His name and who He is. It means that Jesus would be beyond the bounds of all human expectations. He would be absolutely and utterly amazing. In the New Testament, the the word wonderful seems to be replaced by the word amazed. People were continually being amazed at the wonder of Jesus. Listen to some that were amazed in the New Testament as Jesus worked. In Matthew 7.28, it says they, they were amazed at His teaching because it was powerful and new. In Matthew 8.27, it says they were amazed that even the wind and the waves, the very elements themselves, obeyed Him. In Matthew 15.34, it says they were amazed at who He was. Where did He get this wisdom and these amazing powers? In Matthew 15.31, they were amazed at His healing power. In in Matthew 21.20, they were amazed that even a tree would obey His orders. In Mark 1.27, they were amazed at how even demons obeyed Him. In Mark 2, verse 12, they were amazed at how a paralyzed body sprang to life. In Mark 6, 51, they were amazed that He walked on water. He's wonderful. He's wonderfully amazing. And it said that He's wonderful counselor. So let's talk about counselor for a minute. Everyone needs a counselor from time to time. Someone who can help us navigate the difficulties of life. Someone who can help us find our way through dark times. Someone who can help us find the answers we couldn't seem to find on our own. And Jesus, as wonderful counselor, knows the depths of science. He knows the depths of creation. He knows the depths of truth. He knows the depths of time. He knows the depth of our human condition. He already knows the plans of all men. His counsel is so good because He takes into account what is going on in places and conversations that He hears but we have no idea about. Nothing is hidden from Him. His counsel is so outstanding that it is joy in spite of turmoil, peace in the midst of storms, ageless and timeless, works 100% of the time, and takes into account all that we don't know because He already knows about it all. He will be known to His people 
as wonderful counselor, our friend, our savior, our confidant. Where could I go but to the Lord? I must tell Jesus I cannot bear my burden alone. And he is the one as our... You know, we call lawyers, attorneys, counselor, don't we? Someday, he's going to stand as we, at the right hand of the Father, as we stand in God's presence, and he's going to be our legal representative. He's going to say, debt paid. Since forgiven. Wonderful counselor. The second name that Isaiah gives to him is Mighty God or Divine Strong One. In English, um, we don't have the flavor that the Hebrew language has in speaking about God. In Hebrew, there are a number of words used in speaking about God that in English are just translated God. Jehovah. When Moses, uh, when Moses asks whom, whom shall he say sent me to the Egyptians, who do I say sent me to the Egyptians? God says, say that I am sent you. Without getting into the technicalities of the Hebrew, what God said to tell them was that Yahweh or Jehovah sent you. The one who exists and continues to exist. This phrase explains the consternation caused by Jesus when he said that before Abraham existed, I am. The more common word is the word L, E-L, singular, meaning power. It is used most frequently in combination with other words that describe some character or attribute of God. Elohim, plural, meaning absolute, unqualified, unlimited energy. That's God. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created And God, Elohim, said, let us make man in our image. Elyona, meaning the one who is above all things working in secret. Now notice a couple of things. El means power or potency. The first cause by which all things have come to be and which they continue to be. Did you hear that? El means power or potency. The first cause by which all things have come to be and by which they continue to be. In other words, God created, God sustains by his power. Do you know what would happen to the universe if God withdrew his power? Yeah, we'd be done. Those stars would wink out, it would all collapse on itself. God's the one who holds it all together. El Shaddai. Shaddai means power, but it also seems to reflect that power that breaks through, overcomes, victorious, that bursts forth. In our passage today from Isaiah, these are the two words used. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, El Shaddai. 
the first cause of all things, the sustainer and upholder of all things. And he shall be called Shaddai, mighty. The power that breaks forth through, breaks forth through and causes victories. The overcomer of all things. That's who Jesus will be, Isaiah is telling us. When Isaiah, when Isaiah prophesied here about this child that would come, he said some things that are very distinct. This child would be called God. Not just some synonym of God, but he would be called God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. In addition, he would be called the mighty one who causes things to change. The one who was to be the overcomer and victorious one in this world. Boy, isn't it nice to be able to look back on what Jesus did and see the truth of that. When you and I face impossible situations, we need to recognize that we have laid claim to a Savior who is both the creator of all things, but also the one who is the provider of overcoming power. You ever need that? Yes. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and Everlasting Father, or Father of Eternity. See, the Jews understood Father to mean originator or source. So if you want anything eternal, you must get it from Jesus Christ. He's the source. Again, when studying the Hebrew words in conjunction with one another, we get the meaning that Jesus is the principle of eternity. He is the source of eternity. He is not the Father, but He is God. He prayed to the Father. He spoke about the Father. Jesus understood the concept of separate but equal. One God and three persons. The Trinity. The word Father reveals the Messiah as a compassionate, caring Father who loves, protects, and supplies the needs of His children. Have you seen Him as that? Psalm 103.13 As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Did Jesus have compassion for people? You're real quiet. We did, you must have used up all your words when we did the, the acronym thing, huh? Did Jesus have compassion for people? Matthew 14, 14 says he was moved toward, he was moved with compassion toward the crowd. Again, in Matthew 20, 34, speaking of the people that had gathered, so Jesus had compassion on them. On Mark 8, 2, I have compassion on the multitude, Jesus said. In Luke 7, 13, the Lord saw her and had compassion on her. And you'll find that over and over and over again in the Gospel writers. Get the picture? Jesus is compassionate. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Father of eternity. And then Isaiah said he's the Prince of Peace. He's the ultimate ruler of salvation. Prince of Peace, ultimate ruler of salvation. Just before Christmas... One year, Paul Harvey told the story of a father 
who had gone off to fight for the Union Army during the American Civil War. Excuse me. A father whose son had gone off to fight for the Union Army during the American Civil War. In fact, we sang the song that father wrote this morning. After months of, of camp fever, in other words, of waiting in camp, his son finally saw battle and was seriously wounded. News of his son's wound came to the father on Christmas Eve. And being a poet, he sat down and expressed his anguish in song. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote these words as he contemplated that bleak Christmas morning. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So as we talk about Prince of Peace this morning, we need to begin with the definition of peace. See, here in North America, we have a tendency to, to, to define peace as, con- as connected with the absence of conflict. Peace is connected with quiet and no conflict. It is almost as if we define peace by what it is not. It is not war. And if it is not war, then we have peace. If there is no war... There is peace. In the Old Testament, the word shalom is a state of wholeness and harmony that is intended to resonate in all relationships. When used as a greeting, shalom was a wish for outward freedom from disturbance as well as an inward sense of well-being. To a people constantly harassed by enemies, peace was a premier blessing. In Numbers 6, 24 through 26, God gave Moses these words to use when blessing his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The New, the New Testament describes Peace, at least in three spheres, as three spheres or three planes. First of all, there's peace with God. That's the vertical dimension. There's the peace of God that we experience internally. We have the peace of God in our hearts. So there's peace with God through Jesus Christ. There's the peace of God that we experience internally. And then there's peace with others. When we have peace with God and we experience the peace of God, then we can extend peace horizontally. We can experience peace with one another. These spheres of peace begin with and are fulfilled through salvation in Jesus Christ. Jesus has come to put us back together. As Ephesians 2.14 states, For He Himself is our peace. The Prince of Peace. And I want, to, I want to wrap this up this morning by sharing with you a, a reading from a, a, a sermon that another pastor preached. His name was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. And he preached what he called a tribute to the indescribable Christ. 
Listen to this. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's God's Son. He's a sinner Savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in Himself. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Do you know Him? He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest idea in philosophy. He's the fundamental truth in theology. He's the miracle of the age. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Do you know Him? Well, my King is the King of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governor. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. Do you know Him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe Him to you. But He's indescribable. Yes, He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you the heavens cannot contain Him, let alone a man explain Him. You can't get Him out of your mind. You can't get Him off your hands. You can't live Him and you can't live without Him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him. And the grave couldn't hold Him. That's my King. He's always been and He always will be. I'm talking about He who had no predecessor and He who has no successor. There was nobody before Him and there will be nobody after Him. You can't impeach Him and He's not going to resign. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And how long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forevers, then amen. Oh, I wish I could describe Him to you. And Isaiah summed it up this way. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who He is. And so, I I think there's a little thing at the bottom of your note page today. This week, maybe through this season, be aware of the ways that Jesus reveals Himself as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace in the circumstances of your life. Do you know Him? Let's pray. 
Oh, Jesus, we're so glad that we can know you. You made yourself knowable. Really knowable. I mean, you could have trumpeted from the skies. You could have used angels to bring them, keep bringing the messages there. You could have done anything you wanted, but what you did was you put on the flesh of humanity and you moved into the neighborhood and you let us hear you speak with a human voice and hear with human ears and touch with a human hand. Oh, you were fully God, but you were fully man as well. See, we could know, really know you and through knowing you, we could know the Father. We could know God. We could know God's great heart. We could know how much God loves us. We could know when you went to the cross how far God was willing to go to redeem us. We could know because of an empty grave that the victory is ours in Jesus Christ our Lord. Because you not overcame sin, but you overcame death and hell and the grave and Satan himself. And so we can live in that victory. And we thank you today for Isaiah's description of who you are, or who you would be, but who you are. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And may we know you in all those aspects of who you are. And may we share you in all those aspects of who you are. For Jesus, we don't want to miss you in Christmas. And we don't want anyone else to miss you in Christmas either. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. And may you be revealed through us to others. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.